Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Today I have a little trajectory that the Holy Spirit wants to go on with this. So I want to start out with Deuteronomy 29. If you want to turn there, I'm going to read it in the Amplified. It's 29. It's a very exciting verse that should really thrill you to start out with. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Say, but. But the things which are revealed and disclosed belong to us. That's good news for you. And to our children. And we have children. Even more good news for you today, right? For how long? 29, 29. For how long? It says forever. So that we may all do the words of the law. Now, how many of you know Jesus came and fulfilled the law? That means he he has a greater viewpoint of the law because he's the power see grace is the power to not sin not the great cover-up it's the power how many need some power not to sin everyone i don't know if you know it everyone needs that now as we talk about the holy spirit it's it's one of the most interesting things in life is how that the holy spirit actually operates in it for some people i think it's an extreme mystery i think that as you spend time with him and as you lean into him and as you let him breathe on you you become acquainted with his ways how many know that your assignment on the earth is the reason you're on the earth agreed god made you for a reason how many of us know that And so now we're trying to understand how to walk in the anointing of what our assignment will need. And the anointing is another, you know, all the things of the Holy Spirit seem really elusive and like little wisps of air somewhere. How many feel that way sometimes? But he's not. He's a person. And I love exploring the three parts of God. They operate in perfect harmony and unity. Right? And because of that, they all, their information and all their interaction leads to the one thing, the Father. So what Jesus said, He says, I only do what I hear the Father doing, saying. Right? So the Father's speaking. How many think the Father's not speaking anymore? He just stopped. All of a sudden, when Jesus came, He just stopped talking. No. No. Say no. Contraire, mon frere. No. The Father is still speaking, and the Holy Spirit is, I like to think of Him as the interpreter of what the Father is saying, because He lives in us, He's animating us with the words that the Father's saying, right? And so I like to push the envelope and say, well, maybe God has something to say. It's really pushing it, isn't it? It's just edgy. So edgy. Do you remember when you didn't know you could hear God's voice? It was kind of edgy when someone said, you can hear God's voice. And what did you say? Oh, oh no, not for today. I just want to wait and see what God's going to do. And you know what God's saying? I'm going to wait and see what man's going to do. 
You know, religion taught us to sit and wait, and we've been waiting, waiting to see what God's going to do. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Let's, let's dismantle that today, shall we? In Isaiah 11, I'm going to briefly mention what comes with the package of the Holy Spirit in Jesus. I like it in the Passion, but I can read it in the... Yeah, let's just read it in the Passion. It says that, number two, the Spirit of Yahweh will rest upon Him. It says Jesus is talking about. How many know you have Jesus? How many know you have Jesus? Since you have Jesus, you have the Jesus stuff. It's just that simple. When you read about Jesus, if you want to believe this and you want to do, Jesus said, I'm going to go away to the Father and leave you the Holy Spirit so you can do greater things than I did. I think he meant that. You may not be good at it. How many are better at it than they used to be? It, it's, it's interesting that he gave us these instructions, but the stuff that we're not good at, we act like it doesn't apply anymore. I mean, you just go on anywhere and all kinds of people are talking about, oh, well, that's just for a different time. I'm like, dang, isn't it sad that earlier people could get healed and now today people, it's not for today. There's a lot of things that need healed. I think that belief system taught us that God wasn't going to heal us, so we had to get a pill instead. Or a... One of those. Something to make the pain go away. Right? That's really all we're doing. We're, everybody in life is trying to make the pain stop. And Jesus is the pain stopper. Yeah. It's not another thing. You can poke it, plant it, smoke it, weed it, whatever. But it, at the end of the day, it's Jesus. Let me just be honest. It's just Jesus. And so, you know, Lynn and I, Lynn's an ex-druggie. And, um, you know, drug dealer. She was really good and popular. You know, and once I love Lynn's life because she is just a testimony lived out loud, lost her kids to the system, everything. And she runs into all these ex drug dealers and they're like, they don't even recognize her. Why? Something changed. She's not ashamed of her testimony. She'll tell you straight up, I thought I was in a FedEx box in Iceland whenever I detox. She is not ashamed to tell you her story. You should go and let her tell you. Because why? Because all of that was God pursuing her into her calling. He wasn't nervous. I'm not nervous when people are doing stupid stuff. Because they will end up realizing it's stupid stuff. Because this is what Jesus is. He's the spirit of extraordinary wisdom. You know when you're not being wise. It's just true. You just know when you're being stupid. Don't you? Doesn't everyone in here just know when they're being stupid? Just trying to help you if you can just come to the table with me. Come on. Spirit of perfect understanding. Why do we need that? Because we don't know nothing. Spirit of wise strategy, the spirit of mighty power, the spirit of revelation, and the spirit of the fear of Yahweh. And it says, he will find his delight in living by the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Now, if you really study that out, that delight word is like, hmm, like, oh, it's it's more about your senses. Like, oh, he's just my delight. He's like a delicious smell. He's like a delicious taste. He's like, oh, I'm delighting 
in the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? The fear of the Lord is the loyalty to God. I have found my delight in being extremely loyal to God. Listen, I've walked with God my whole life. I've never rebelled against God. So that's 60 years of goodness, of pursuing the heart of God, pursuing changing people's lives day after day, year after year, never letting go of the call. That's longevity. That's when he's become your delight because you become loyal. So you're not looking at what can you get away with. Right? You're looking at enhancing all of these beautiful things that he planted within us. I don't want one gift of the Holy Spirit to go wasted in my life. In John 16, just going to travel along, shall we? I told Cece I was just going to read my, my specific scriptures because you know what I'll do is I'll read a verse and it's not even about what I'm talking about and we'll stay there all the service. This is what Jesus said in John 16, 23. For here is a eternal truth. What's that? It's not just for the temporary time, right? When that time comes, you won't need to ask me for anything. But instead, you will go directly to the Father and ask Him for anything you desire, and He will give it to you because of your relationship with me. See, the cool thing about the maturity of Christianity is that when I make Him my delight... It's the first step, I'm telling you. you can't, he can't be a sidecar. He's not a condiment. He's not, you know, I just recently discovered that everything bagel seasoning. And it's like on everything right now. It's on everything. Avocado toast. Mm, man, right? But then later, it's like, what is that on my tongue? Everything bagels on my tongue. Hours later. It's still on my tongue. I've, I've tried chocolate to get it off. How do you get that thing off? I'm just trying. That, that's when he's become your delight, where he flavors everything in your life. He's not somebody that just gets you out of trouble. Can he? Absolutely. That's the orphan life, though. Just get me a cold pop. When I get my cold pop, I'm done. But no, he is my everything. He's my delight. When he has become my delight, when he's become my smelling and sensing, my living, my breathing, my walking around, my every thought, 24-7. Do you understand? God is going to have a people who think of him 24-7. And religion, we couldn't do that because it was all about works. You know that you're in works when you can't think of him 24-7. Because, see, your job is about you infiltrating it with His presence. Your home life is about living in His presence. Coming to church is about learning to abide in His presence in a new level, a new way. When He's become this delightful place, you've been, you know whether your heart's loyal to Him or whether you're just like, well, I've got some needs, God. I don't know if you're mindful of those, God. What? God, sometimes it just doesn't make sense to me. Wait, so the God that made everything, you're not sure if he knows about you? 
You're not sure if he knows what you need. When I force myself into the delight category, then this is who Jesus is talking about. That's the kind of relationship with Jesus. You're preparing yourself on the circle to be his bride. In Revelations, it says the bride made herself ready. By what? By purifying. What needs purifying? Your garments. What's, what is, what is, that's a metaphor. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. It's a metaphor. It's not, I have a white shirt. I can't get it clean. It's not that. Right? It's a metaphor for what? Your heart. Your heart. Junk in, junk out. No purity. And he says, because of your relationship with me, you can ask him whatever you want. It says the time's coming. This is that time. Listen, I read it in Acts. This is Joel 2 season. His spirit is being poured out on sons and daughters, men and women alike. 26, John 16, 26. I will not need to ask the Father on your behalf. This is good news. You will ask Him directly because of your new relationship with me. Try it. Try asking God directly. Directly. From a place of delight. Now, listen, everything out of your mouth is either fear or love. Oh God, I'm freaking out. That's fear. That's what that sounds like. Oh God, I know you have me. That's love. Right? It says, for the Father, 27, for the Father tenderly loves you. Listen, God is love, period. He's not mad at you. God made you with the capacity to sin and gave you a Savior that should tell you He's not worried about the sin. When I get more focused on sin than I do on delighting, I will sin. Thank you, Cheryl. My, my attention... He's asking, he's pulling us into a position of focusing on who he is, what he wants to do, how his heart is for us. He is love, period. God, you can't, God is love. It's not a separation. It's not an act. It's not functions of a God. It's the nature of who he is. Listen, okay, no, stay on point. Nevaeh is trying to get me to go off on that little tangent. I saw her. She's like, yeah. For the Father tenderly loves you because you love me and believe that I've come from God. I came to you, sent from the Father's presence, and I entered into the created world. So that tells me heaven wasn't created. It just was. Well, you need to know that later. You may not know why you need to know that right now, but you do. Into the created world, and now I leave the world, the created world, to return to the Father's side. So where is Jesus right now? He's at the Father's side. The Godhead deemed this important. They deemed this important, that Jesus would come. If you don't know much about this, listen to Graham Cook. He's got it. He will help you with this came and lived this sinless life as a model. Have you ever been modeled anything? You know, I do electrical stuff, and I taught Sidwell how to do electrical stuff. 
right? And Pam taught Sybil how to do plumbing. What happened? Two things we knew how to do got reproduced in a person. Why? Why? That's, that's so important that you realize that modeling is generational. So think of spiritual modeling for a minute. The reason why we don't know to worship is because it just wasn't modeled. The Bible didn't. It's really stuff in the Bible that isn't like optional. That's why Jesus said, if you love me, you obey what I say. It's not an option. You don't get to go, oh, I don't agree with that. So no, not this year, not this month. Right. See, because in the created world, which you're a part of, I don't know if you know this, but you're a created being, right? Yeah. There is a war going on. On the circle. You're in it. You probably don't even want to be. Cece told me this morning, there's always a war going on, and she wasn't happy about it. (laughs) That's why in the Psalms, David said, teach my fingers and hands to war. He wasn't talking about, give me a gun, give me a sword. He was talking about teach my hands to war. This is war in the spirit. There ain't no devil. There ain't no fallen angels. There's no horde that can do anything about the heart that's doing this. What is it doing? It's it's surrendering. When that's modeled. See, it doesn't make sense in the natural. Why? Why? Why raise your hands? Why? 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 Why that? I don't feel like it. Of course you don't. But you feel like warring. The war is happening, I'm just saying. You may not want it. You may not feel like it. It's happening. Why wouldn't we do the things that were prescribed to make the war easy? How many believe, just think about it in your own heart, how many believe I don't have to feel at war every single day of my life? It says in his presence is fullness of joy. That means I just have to step over into the presence. How do I step into the presence? Here's a way. This is a way. There's other ways. This is a way. How many feel like, you know, when life is crappy, you're sick, laying in bed, just got through throwing up. How many feel like going, thank you, Jesus? Come on, let's be honest. Come on. Have you got there yet? Can I tell you that you can? You know, I learned this years ago when I had a precious little dog named Promise died. And I had a friend with me when I had to put her to sleep. Dogs are a 10-year thing for me, so I'm going to always have a dog, so just don't be nervous right now. Think about Scout for a second. Just Okay. She, as soon as the, do- the vet came in and said, we, we, you got to put her down, she just, she lifted her hands right then. And I went. <laughs> I didn't feel like it. It was just a model. Give and take away. 
But blessed, that's, that's a scripture. You give and take away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. That's just modeling. So when Jesus was talking about all this fantastic stuff we get. So he's talking about how that I get to talk to the Father direct, directly. What a privilege. Come on, just feel it for a second. Have you gotten to that place where it's just such a privilege? I can see some of you in the room have gotten there where you're like, wow, I remember a day. I remember where I was when there was something between me and him. It was my own head, but I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> what was in my head didn't know that Jesus gave me this promise. Didn't know that within the entity of Jesus living in me, I had all of these attributes. And so in Ephesians 4, Paul is talking about all of these amazing attributes in the Father and in the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's pick it up in verse 3. In the Amplified, it says, and two, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in unselfish love, make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Each person working together to make the whole successful. Now, this is really easy for me to see, especially in marriage. It's the one thing that God said that it, it can become, and it should be, a covenant. Now, we've got the movie version of marriage, right? right. Women, yeah. come on. He's going to come in. He's going to sweeten me out. You know, I had a friend that had this, you know what I'm talking about, that had this fantasy version that she literally made the guy get on a white horse and dress up like a knight to propose to her. <laughs> Ten years later, four children later, there's not much night talking now. Why? Because the fantasy version is from the enemy. So if that's true, let me tell you how cool it is. There's always a truth. I was talking to Nate the Great yesterday. I was telling him this. There's always a truth. And the enemy can only get a lie and snug it up next to the truth because it's a, always a counterfeit. But it has to get up next to something that's potentially true. So if he came to you today and he said, you're a mass murderer. There's no, there's no truth. I don't think anybody in here is, let's just hope. I, I don't... <laughs> I don't know, does he might? No, I'm just kidding. Right, that's not true about us, right? So when he says that, what do you say? No, you don't even give it a second glance. You don't even give it a second glance. It's not even a thought. But if he says, you've sinned way too much. You're way too old. You missed it. You're on plan C, D. What else is he saying? It's just snugged up to the truth. So see, the truth just sits right beside it because that's the only way the enemy has any sort of influence. He can only influence next to our calling. That's why he starts really young. How many had, you don't have to raise your hand, 
but I'm, I know a lot of people's stories in here, and most of us had some sort of trauma drama before the age of five. That's where he comes in. Because what does he want us to do? He wants to send us on a trajectory of 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. <laughs> when God's inviting us into delight, it's the opposition of it. It's the lie. It's the thing sitting right next to truth. We choose the lie over and over and over and over. And the truth will set us free. You know, Joyce Meyer used to say, what is she now, 80? She used to say, I think she is, isn't she? She used to say, the truth will set you free, but it's going to make you really mad first. Why? Why does just simply stating the truth of what God wants to do, why does it make us mad? Because there's an enemy that opposes your soul. There's been a modeling that told you you couldn't do it. That told you you were too sick, too small, too weak, too something, 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 something to do it. And so you believed it. And so here comes Paul and he's like saying, tenderly, with tender humility and quiet patience, demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another. Well, that's going to be really hard to do when you're mad. Think about who Paul was. Does anybody remember who Paul Saul was? Saul, he was that dude that killed Christians. Why did he kill Christians? Because they were wrong. What's going on in the world today? I don't know if you know this. <laughs> Just watch Sean Foyt for a minute. I mean, this satanic industry now is just courageous. They don't care. They're way out in the open. But remember, it sits right next to a truth. God said He would pour His Spirit out. God said He would awaken sons and daughters. So there's obviously going to be an identity crisis because there's been no fathers and mothers. This is the greatest generation of fatherless and motherless society. Do you know every single week of my life I hear about another young man, another young woman whose mom or dad died or multiplied and had more moms and dads. Like sheep without a shepherd. Parents, you're shepherds. You're not controllers. It's your job to get your sheep to a pasture they can grow in. So he goes on to say, be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among the bonds of peace. Now, among you in the bonds of peace. Now think about it. The Holy Spirit, I like for us to think of him as being really sensitive. I got a little slide with a little wispy. Number 13. And that's, that's kind of how we see the Holy Spirit. He's just kind of in the background, whispering around, right? But he's not. He's living in you. And this is the cool part. This is why I want to read the scripture. It says, Being one body and one spirit, we're all called into the same divine destiny. So whoever you're sitting by, I don't know how you feel about them, 
but they have been called by God into the same divine destiny as you. It says, the Lord God is one, and so are we. For we share one faith, one baptism, one Father. He's the perfect Father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. And He has generously given each one of us supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Jesus. Now, does Jesus change sizes? Then what could He be talking about? Everything's about what you believe. He's talking about how big of a gift to you is Jesus. Listen, I was 24 years old before I felt like I had sinned. I know that wasn't true, but at 24, I met redemption. Since I had never rebelled against God, I was always looking for something. And in that moment, I felt the grief of God the Father that my sin separated me from Him. He wasn't mad at me. He was longing for me. He was longing for relationship with what He made. And my choices, because I knew truth, my choice to follow the lie separated me from Him. I felt that for the first time at 24. And I make sure that I feel that over and over. Not to keep me small. Because, see, I'm going to live like I never sinned. I'll probably sin later on today. I don't know. I don't care. I'm going to live like I can't. And when I do, the Holy Spirit goes, I'm like, right. CC told me this morning, you just hurt my feelings. What? Me? Can can someone be that real with you? Are you off limits? This is how I am. This is how I am. I'm just big. I'm just me. This is the way I am. Just deal with it. Did you remember the first? Let me read it to you again. Be faithful to guard. Be faithful to guard. You can be big and ugly if you want. But can someone come to you and say, you hurt my feelings? Or do they have to manifest disconnection? And that's when you figure it out. Or does it have to go even further with that seductive manipulation to prove that you hurt their feelings? Do you see how far it can keep going on and on until we are so far not connected? We are so far not guarding nothing. We didn't even know that something exists to guard. And so, according to the size of Jesus in you, how much you need Jesus? You think you're pretty hot stuff? Pretty prideful? Pretty good, got it going on? You got you some people you're comparing yourself to. I'm not like doofus over there. Doofus Dutton, Dutton, and Doofus Dutton, and Dutton, and Doofus Dutton, and Dutton. And look, my wife, blah, 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 my husband, blah, blah, blah. Where, where are your comparisons? Can I help you? Comparison is of the enemy. You can only be you. Don't you love that blame game? Well, they, yeah, they did. 
what'd you do? You know, when I got divorced, my husband left me because he said these words. Don't you love my line? I can't serve God like you serve God. You're too crazy, radical. And I planted some potatoes beside the driveway. But anyway, and that was his sentence. That was the one sentence. Both lies. <laughs> and see, I had to make a choice right then. Right? I had to make a choice. Am I... Me wanting to be 24-7 God, is that too much? See, that's another lie of the enemy. How many have ever heard that one? All the religious people were dreaming. <laughs> we couldn't do it anyway, so it was like, it's not a thing. Don't put up a marker up there we can't reach. Right? I love hearing Christy's take on things because she wasn't raised in religion. So she's like, what do you mean God would make people sick? That's just weird. But when religious people hear all sickness of the devil, we're like, well, I don't know. I remember a time maybe God used that. And see, that kind of theology just penetrates all of our other thinking. This, this is really clear what happened, is that he gave us each one generously. What does that mean? A whole lot. Right? You know, I gave these girls a Bible today. But see, when I'm looking for them for a Bible, you know, it just takes me hours just to find the perfect color. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit, you know, which one is it? And, you know, do we want the big? Do we want the little? Which one? I mean, what color? What? You know, it's just on and on. I mean, my detail oriented is so crazy. But then he said, get on that cool journal that you've been wanting. Now, I've been wanting it. <laughs> see, right there. Do you, do you feel the tension right there? So easily I could have been like me. Let's, let me ammy that, and that will be coming to me, coming to Tisa. See, that, that's the Holy Spirit. He's looking for an attribute of himself to be displayed through you. That's what his gifts are for. Don't you love this? It comes from Psalms 68. It's the next verse. He ascends into the heavenly heights taking his many captured ones with him. What's it talking about right there? When Jesus died, what did he do? Just hang out in the grave? What did he do? He had a wrestling match with the enemy because what did the enemy have? The enemy stole the keys from Adam and Eve. And so Jesus, when he died, he went and got the keys, death, hell, and the grave, three of them, and he gave them, it says right here, and he gave, and the gifts were given to mankind. Yeah. You're mankind. Yeah. Right. And this is what he said. I went and got these keys for you. Don't lose them again. And you better use them. Because if you don't use them, you'll lose them. And see, that's the enemy's target. Is for you not to know you have the keys. You get underneath him... You see demons in your house? You got no authority? You're going to be calling an exorcist. You're walking in authority and you're like, mm, man, something's getting stirred up in the heaven. Oh, man, this territory is getting ta taken back from God right now. I mean, from the enemy right now. They're, they are going out screaming. It just depends on your position. Your p position of fear right here is I'm freaking out because there's a demon in my house. And over here, it's a position of love. Well, he's got me covered. This must be another 
viewing. You're a seer. <laughs> You're a visionary. Why are we so scared? See, we have no knowledge that this is how the Holy Spirit works. Just spend five minutes with Breezy. She's lived both, both ways. Here and utter fear. Demons just running all through her house, seeing all kinds of pictures, seeing all kinds of visions, having all kinds of dreams, going to the hospital really often because everything hurts. Over here in love, she's like, <laughs> we're on to something. <laughs> A demon came to my house last night. <laughs> like, okay, we finally got it figured out. It's not about her. She's covered. I'm either, I'm either in the delight or I'm not. Have you ever been scared and you just knew, you know, we, we got this new pool, what do you call that, strainer? And I had said, well, screw it onto the wall and hang it. But during the night when it's windy, it goes. But for a long time, it's a new house, you know, I'm like, what could that be? Like, what is that? Until I figured that was just the strainer hitting the wall. Do you see what I'm saying? We... We don't know our authority. So then when something happens that's unknown, we stick it in the fear category. I am meant to be afraid. Do you know when you live in this category, you make all kinds of decisions and choices and you actually rearrange your life to give place for fear to grow. And you model it to your children. So he ascended to the heavens. He, he took with him all those who had been captured by the enemy before he came. And then he they just threw in this line. I love it. And gifts were given to men. Don't you love that? And then he went on to tell why. This is the same one, verse 10, Ephesians 4, 10. The same one who descended is also the one who ascended above the heights of heaven. Hmm. In order to begin the restoration and fulfillment of all things. So when this happened, that's when the restoration began. There are more people filled with the Spirit on the planet right now than there ever has been in the history of the world. There are more miracles, people being raised from the dead, things that, you know, back in the day, if we heard about it, how often move? Once a year, we were like, woohoo! Once a year, somebody got their toenail healed. healed. That was it. <laughs> we're seeing stuff around here all the time. Did you know some people came to the healing room last month? And we already have a report of healing. It wasn't one I could share publicly, but it already happened. And it was a physical thing that you could tell if it was healed. So stuff, I mean, it's happening everywhere. If you listen to Johnny Enlow, he's like telling us really. I mean, he's just giving you, I like to just, you know, be in the dark a little bit and just talk to the Holy Spirit. But Cece, she gives me all the information I need. I'm just like, just give me just a little tiny bit. And so the fulfillment and the restoration begin. Think about it. If you're going to restore something, that means something's broken. Agreed? You know, we restore furniture. So what's on the furniture? Whatever the last person put on there. 
You know, it's just kind of like wallpaper. You never know. We went to a guy's house. He's like, yeah, we just have one coat of wallpaper on here. Well, then you start digging off that first layer and you're realizing, no, you have a bunch more. In fact, you have something from the 30s in here and we don't want to take that off because the whole house will fall down. <laughs> so we'll just leave that wallpaper up there, right? Same way with furniture. They just stuck a bunch of stuff on there. When you go to strip it off, it looks worse. See, this is where a lot of us are. We come all painted up. Oh, we were pretty one day, right? And the, and the Holy Spirit begins to strip. I told Nate the great the other day, I said, I just came with an atomic bomb and just blew up your whole house. So just be patient. We're just in the stripping. We're just in the stripping process. We just first have to identify what we're stripping. What room are we starting with? It doesn't look good for a while. Makes us real nervous when God goes, mm-mm. That you, in fact, you don't need that at all. It doesn't even go along with your calling at all. See, that's why it's so important. This is what he says. He has appointed some with grace to be apostles, some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, some with grace to be pastors, some with grace to be teachers. You see, he puts grace everywhere. Why? What is grace? Empowerment. It's empowerment. If you were raised in religion, it was the great cover-up. Oh, by the grace of God, we're just all sinners, slain, death, mayhem, destruction. We're going to end up in Japan one day. I don't know. We had this whole weird version of Jesus. We had to get saved every week. If we live in constant communion with Jesus, wouldn't he tell us if we were thinking something wrong? Have you ever just been minding your own business and something came in and said, oh, you're thinking the wrong thing right there, and you're like, that's the Holy Spirit. That's this grace. That's this empowerment. Because when he tells you, it's time to change it right then. There's power on it. He's highlighting it. Probably got some help around you. He says, and their calling is to nurture. You think you can be mad and nurture? This didn't say just women, by the way. Isn't it funny that men wanted to get all the gifts, but then they didn't want to nurture anybody with it? I can tell you some stories about what the old prophets of old did. I've been seeing prophets since the 60s. They didn't do what they do now. Their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers. That's funny. Isn't that funny? So that means that there's already a holiness that has taken place in the ones that these giftings prepare. That's why Shudi was singing, I'm all in. She was talking about holy. It's way easy to nurture and train someone who accepts that they're holy and how they got there. The gift of Jesus. Again, do I have to keep mentioning it? It's the only way. And so every holy believer knows they need training. They know they don't know nothing. And furthermore, they wouldn't want to do anything by themselves because it wouldn't be in unity. So they can't live on independent island. Get off independent island. <laughs> it's going down. A tsunami is coming soon. 
And trust me, it is going to eclipse your independent island. Get on the boat that came by. Okay, get on the helicopter that came by. Just get on something. I'm going to stop here, but let me finish this thing. Mendel, you coming? To do their own. Say own. Turn to your neighbor. Say that's you. Own works of ministry. Who is it he's talking about? The holy believers doing their own works of ministry. As they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. That's the plan of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said that he would leave the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit could do something more in us as humans. Otherwise, he would have just hung out. Right? He would have, we would have a 4,000-year-old Jesus hanging around. <laughs> Snapshot that for a second. And, then, and listen, these ministries, these grace-filled ministries will function until we all attain oneness in faith. Being a good cleric as I am, I just didn't want to be the guy at the back of the cart holding everything up. I didn't want to be the guy at the back of the cart holding everything up. Until we all attain oneness. Sounds like God's waiting for us all to go together. I just didn't want to be the guy at the back of the cart. Thank you, Moo. I had to keep saying it until somebody got it. Until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. That's why everything's about Jesus. Come on, Mendel. So good, right? Don't you just love any time we just talk about the Holy Spirit? I think we all come alive a little bit more. It doesn't even matter what aspect of the Holy Spirit we're discussing. Just the fact the Holy Spirit is the topic. I mean, I feel like like nobody wanted to even leave church last time. Like, you know, I hung around. Everybody was just hanging around because we're all empowered. We're activated. We're courageous. Well, how many of you left here and experienced something slightly different? <laughs> something that we often call intimidation. Well, I have a little nugget I wanted to share with you on that topic just to seal up your encouragement and your your courage and your passion for the Holy Spirit and how he emboldens us to go out and do our purpose. So I've been really soaking on Psalm 23 in the Passion Translation. And so there's this part that I've been wanting to share with you for a while, and it just became even more alive to me today. So in the Passion Translation, which, of course, it's wonderful, on verse, Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. That right there alone is, we could feast there for days, right? But this next part, 
Verse 5, it says, You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. I'm going to break it down a little bit for you and some of the things the Holy Spirit's been highlighting to me. So you become my delicious feast, even when the enemy dares to try to intimidate. So even when that thing rises up when you leave here and tries to intimidate you and get you to back down, it says, you, Jesus, become my delicious feast. So what does that mean? Now, we did have communion today where we we feasted on the body and the blood. That could be one meaning. But one of this other concept he's been showing me is just the fact that he there's something about eating. Okay, God's on this eating thing. And it's tied to victory. So one place that I'd heard about this recently was um, it talks about in the Gospels of Mark and Matthew, I believe it talks about um, when John the Baptist feasted on, right, he ate a diet of locusts and honey. So locusts, I realized, in the Passion Translation tells us that were symbols of intimidation, okay? So in the Passion uh, footnote there, it says that with a diet of locusts, John points back to four varieties of locusts mentioned in Joel 1.4. Locusts are an emblem of intimidation that will keep believers from taking their inheritance by faith. Israel thought themselves to be like grasshoppers in their own eyes because of the intimidation of fierce inhabitants of the land. John the baptizer arrives on the scene and makes locusts his food, eating up the symbol of intimidation. He's devouring the devourer. Okay, so that's a symbol, it's a foretelling of what, of course, John the Baptist went before to announce Jesus, right? So he's foretelling of this new day. It says that John's ministry was a prophetic statement from God that a new day had come, a day of leaving dead formalism and embracing life in Jesus without intimidation. So this concept of eating, he became the devourer. He ate intimidation. And so to me, that just connects another in another way that you become my delicious feast when my enemies dare to fight. In the Amplified, it talks. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There's lots of teachings on this that, I mean, just imagine it literally. I had to press into the image in my mind that, you know, somebody's coming up, confronting you, throwing things at you, threatening you, and you just sit down and eat. You know, you just sit down and eat something. In fact, I saw that in California. No, Florida. There was a bunch of protesters in the governor's office, and there's this thing that's going viral because some guy that worked there, because they were trying to disrupt the business, right? Some guy was, I'm sure he didn't even do it on purpose, but he was caught on camera just eating some cake (laughs) while the protesters had a sit-in trying to disrupt business. And so it's going viral because everybody's like, yeah, we don't care. We're just going to eat cake. You can sit here all day, you know. So... Something from being up in the middle of the night did did contribute to my day today, after all. Just never know. So you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So that's what we are um, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's what we become. We become the devourer of the devourer that's attempting to intimidate us. It also reminds me of um, Joshua when the Israelites were... 
um, you know, scouting out the promised land and they come back and Joshua and Caleb were like, you know, we can take them, we can take them. And everybody else was like, no, there's giants, you know, they'll eat us. We'll like, we'll be like grasshoppers. But really, but Joshua and Caleb said, no, they will be like bread to us. Those grasshopper, I mean, those giants will be like bread to us. In other words, we're just going to eat them. In fact, they will supply nutrition for our journey to occupy the land and inherit our promised land. It's all about, we actually eat something. The thing that the enemy does, he tries to throw something in our face and it actually turns into something that is fuel for us. Fuel for us to take our promised land. Now, this next line in that same verse, verse five, it says, you anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. Again, this is all when your enemies dare to fight. He says, you anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. So beautifully written. In the Amplified, it says, you have anointed and refreshed my head with oil. So that's a picture of the oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And that's um, literally, you know, we would anoint people with oil. And so back in the day, they would pour oil over priests and different and different things for an anointing. So that also was um, expanded for me in the metaphorical picture that it's offered that's offered there because it turns out that shepherds really did pour oil on sheep's head. They would as a as a natural process of shepherding, they would put oil all and they still do to this day. They put an oil all over the sheep's head. So why do they do that? I read about it and it says that sheep, of course, they don't have these hands that can just wipe their face off and you know, well, certain kinds of bugs and insects would like to Im- embed themselves on their face and get and hatch their eggs and all that in their sinuses and their nose and all that. And the it was so terrifying and so um, traumatic and so painful and irritating to the sheep that they would sometimes end up killing themselves trying to make it stop because they would literally bang their own heads against trees and rocks and things trying to get the irritation to stop and to get the bugs go away. So what does that make you think of? Demons? Yeah, we go straight to that. In that more subtle form, those thoughts that have been implanted, they've tried to implant themselves on your mind that you're, you're trying to operate with a, an operating system that's been infested with lies, that's trying to breed lies, and you're like, oh, stop it. Can you make it stop? And we literally sometimes, we, we use that phrase, I want to bang my head against the wall because it makes you feel crazy, and you just want to make it stop, right? So the shepherds would put oil on the sheep's head because the insects couldn't stick. The insects couldn't access the actual, you know, the their um, membranes and stuff in their sinus cavities to even embed that way. And it was soothing to them. So it was a protection. So apply that to ourselves when it says, when your enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. Just imagine that your head, your mind, your operating system, everything that you think and feel and believe is coated with an oil. You are pre-anointed to go out into your day. You're pre-anointed to go out and take your promised land in the coming days, and you are pre-protected from the things that would try to embed on you and irritate you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that an amazing picture? 
And of course, the next and final line of that verse five is you give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows. And that's that delight and satisfaction that Tisa talked about when it is our true pleasure and passion to just remain loyal to him. We can stay on our walk with God. We can stay on our assigned calling and purpose, what we've been gift, given gifts for. We can stay on that because we've been protected and we've been pre-provided for when we face intimidation and the joy overpowers anything that would try to come against us. So this is all in the presence of our enemies. Our cup overflows. My heart overflows. My heart overflows with joy because he nurtures us. He nurtures our soul. And we have so much satisfaction and just remaining loyal to him that we don't even care that the enemy is trying to make a big show in front of us. That's just one verse. That's just Psalm 23, verse 5. So, of course, the next verse goes on. So why would I fear the future? Why would I fear the future? Why would we fear at all when we are pre-provided for in this way? So I just wanted to share that with you as just another reason for the relevance of the Holy Spirit in this day and in our walk with him. And so, Papa, I just thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for all that you have done and are actively doing. I thank you that your, your preparation for us and your provision for us is not just history. It's not something you just did one day and now we've got to sort it all out ourselves, but it is an ongoing, living, breathing, active protection and provision and intimacy with us. I thank you that you are delighted to walk with us. You are delighted to tend to the needs of our heart, to reassure us, to fight our, our battles for us, and to give us so much love that our fear has nothing that it can ever say again. The comfort of your love takes away my fear, and it's your strength that becomes my security and my peace. When we exalt you and we say, we know who you are, we know what you are capable of, we know how powerful you are, we have exalted you and made you Lord and King, and we acknowledge that you are ruler of this earth, and so we take comfort, and our peace comes in your authority, and we realize then that we have the authority we can operate with because you're living in us, and it's exactly what you've called us to. So we just thank you. We say all glory and honor and praise to your name, Jesus. We just love you, Papa. We love you, Holy Spirit. We just can't say it enough. So I pray that this message would be sealed up today, that it would be sealed up and made um, personal for each person hearing it today, and that, Holy Spirit, you would just continue to breathe on that, to breathe on that, make it come alive, come alive, come alive, make your voice come alive in us more and more. We just want more. We will never be satisfied. We want more and more and more of you. So we say thank you, and we love you, we love you, we love you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.